Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Lock Foundation Disc Golf's normally weekly podcast. But for USDGC week, this is our first day of round recaps and prepping you for the coverage that's going to be happening today. So we're going to be talking about the rounds that happened yesterday, round one of the USDGC, breaking down what you can expect today, um, and then also talk about our electric moment of the day. Because we were all out in the course and different things happened and it gives us a little chance to... Electricity was flying out there. Yeah, electricity, electricity was flowing. You know, transformer block box was blown. We forgot to talk about that. That was yesterday. But yeah. anyways, let's just first off, let's take a look at kind of where the standings are sitting at. Let's throw it over to the course and we'll hear how things shook up round one. All right, day one has officially come to a close out here at the United States Disc Golf Championship and Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship. Fortunately, the weather was able to hold off. It does not look like it's going to do the same the rest of the week, but we'll have to see if that plays in. As the day went on, the wind was definitely a factor, but this morning when the women were teeing off, it wasn't a factor, and Paige Pierce was able to capitalize. She turned in a 7-under par to join Valerie Mandahano and... Heather Young as the only other people under par in the entire field. So Paige has a five-stroke lead on both of them. And then Sarah Hokum staying at even par, rounding out the lead card. One other surprising finish, Katrina Allen. We I think Trevor and I both had her in our top three. She's currently seen at five over par. She might be able to make a little bit of a comeback, but it's going to be tough to get back into the mix of things after a slow start like round one. On the men's side for the USDGC, we had both Nate Sexton and Terry Roethlisberger being able to turn in 10 under pars, followed closely by Greg's Barsby sitting at 9 under, and then rounding it out, we had Joel Freeman sitting at 8 under par. A few other notable names, Johnny McRae and Barry Schultz were both able to turn in 7 under pars to put themselves in the mix after day one. We're definitely going to have to be keeping a close eye on the weather out here. There was an overcast. It was near perfect conditions all day today. As the day went on, the wind did pick up a little bit for some of the guys in the later round. I think that's why we didn't see some of the bigger names make that push. That's definitely something to keep an eye out for tomorrow. Earlier on the Instagram story, I did say I expected 11 or 12 to be the hot today. 10 was able to hold on. If tomorrow's conditions are similar to today, We'll see if someone's able to push that 11 or 12, but if the rain pushes in, 10 might be the hottest that we see all weekend long. Let's throw it back into the prize picks breakdown. All right, let's get right into the prize picks breakdown. Uh, Don't forget, first off, thanks again to prize picks for being a sponsor, ongoing support supporter of the show. Don't forget to head over to prizepicks.com, use code GRIP to get a 100% match on up to your first $100 deposit at prizepicks.com. Prizepicks is the first to offer daily fantasy disc golf um, it allows you to pick two to five players on an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10x on any entry for USDGC week. If you pick alongside Trevor or myself and it hits, you'll get a 25% bonus on the payouts. That basically means if you you know, put $100 in, you'll be getting $125, or if you win $100, you'll be getting $125 out instead just for playing alongside of us. Now, with that being said, you might have done that yesterday, and you might be very mad at us because it did not go well. Um, no. <laughs> I had the Yuli over hit, the Sexton under hit, and Trevor and I both had the Drew Drew Gibson under. We were positive it was locked, but there's a freaking mix-up with the U-Disc scoring. I got beef with the U-Disc And guy. after hole 18, it just randomly, he's at the five under. The under's hit. We're golden. And then... Poof, it's gone. Poof. Changes to three under. The under didn't hit. I think I had a Cal... Let me actually look at what my picks were because it's it's depressing. I had the Calvin Heimberg under 60. He ended up shooting a 69 out there, which is three over par. 
I had the Nico Lacastro under 62 and a half. He shot 64. And then the Drew Gibson heartbreak special with the 63. And Nico, also you disc. Nico scored an update after hole six. So I just had to be just, just surprised. So I had the Yuli over, the Sexton under. Those both hit. Um, which ones hit for you? I mean, they um, didn't really hit because it wasn't good enough. Yeah. No, I also had the uh, Sexton under. That was like... That was our like locked in. Yeah. That's that one just seemed hit. like it was going to happen for sure. And then I also had Brody under. Oh, uh, okay. Nice. So I was, I was pretty proud of that. But I had... A few holes into the day, I was loving my Coling under pick, and then he imploded. Well, one thing we forgot to mention, I should have brought it up when you when you mentioned him yesterday, is he is playing with basically a brand new bag. This is true. His bag was stolen. But a Wraith is a Wraith, and a Destroyer is a Destroyer. But a, like, super beat-in Wraith is I, fine. He imploded. He and, did. He did not play well. And in any case... Uh, well, I can't say he didn't also, play well. Where did he actually end up? He's like plus two. Okay, yeah, so he yeah, didn't play well. He didn't play well. Yeah, two over. He did not play um, well. Austin Hannum, ace hole one. Didn't hear about that. Wow. That's interesting. Whoa. Yeah, he's right below Jeremy Cole on the scorecard. That is real interesting. Did not hear that once. What um, time did they tee off today? I have no idea. Who knows? I mean, he's he's two over par, so. I didn't see his card once today. Uh, I, yeah, and I also missed on the Gibson. Um, so we, we, we both missed Gibson. Right, and then Drew, my, Drew, Drew. My other miss was Girthy. Shout out to Garrett Girthy for proving me wrong because, you know, I wasn't confident in him and he played well. So you know what? Shout out Double G for that. I guess. Good there job. you go. You played well, but it didn't help. Going me. into today's round, I'm still feeling the Nate Sexton under. They have him set at 61, which is five under par. I feel like that's a cakewalk for him out here. Mm. Um, another one that I'm also extremely confident in is the Paige Pierce under. I watched her some today. She shot seven under today. I watched her some, and I know she didn't throw OB, but like there were set the holes that I watched her, she was not capitalizing. Yeah, she just didn't. She didn't look like she was playing great, which makes me feel like she, her line is at sixty five and a half, which means she has to shoot sixty five, which is three under par for the under to hit. Mm-hmm. She shot seven under today, and I feel like there was a lot of things that she could have done better. So again, that's my second one that I'm very confident in. And then I just need one of the other two to hit for me. So I'm once again rolling with the Ulibarri over 62. He seemed like he had a solid round today, and it still hit the over at 62. They set the line in the exact same spot. I'm taking it again. He shot a 63 today. I just feel like this course, like that's the range Yuli's going to shoot in. It's like 62, 63, 64 range. Dang. I don't see him getting hot out here. And so I'm taking the over yet again. And my final pick is Brody Smith under 64 and a half. Uh, he had a very hot start today. But then he had a very mediocre or bad back for him. Wasn't and I good. feel like he probably won't have as good of a smart start tomorrow. But I feel like the rest of the round, if he just plays smart, like getting to two under par, that's going to be pretty doable for him. Um, I think that, I think, bold prediction, I think today's round score-wise is the worst we see of Brody all week. I agree with that. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident in those four. But I am doing a four-person flex play. So I just got to get three of them to hit. Yeah, I'm going with the five, the five pick flex play. Uh, I agree with the Brody pick. I have him under 64 and a half. Uh, I'm not sure if the, that round we just saw was his lowest, uh, just because that's even though he did play a little bit sloppy on the back, he avoided a huge number. He only took one double, and his start was so ridiculously perfect. So it, I wouldn't put it past him to shoot uh, another, you know just a couple under but 
I do think I do think if he does shoot uh, worse than he did today, then it's probably due to the weather more than anything, probably the conditions. Because um, his game looked his game looked good out there. Uh, I've also got Nico Castro under sixty two. Mm, I thought um, about that pick. I think I'll have a ba- bounce back round tomorrow, and also I'm going to be following his card closely, so it'll just be easier for me to track and to kind of root for. Um, and then my I had the Sexton under as well at sixty one. I'm still confident in him. Yeah. And then I got two FBO picks. I've got um, my over, which is Kona Panis. Uh, I've looking through. I have her over seventy three, which seems steep, but it does played, seem steep. She played decent today. Shot seventy one. I um, say I almost took the Kona under. Yeah, I feel like when I was looking through, uh, I wanted to take. There's a couple players I want to take the over for, and she seemed like the uh, one of the players who's a little more inconsistent and capable of that big round. Uh, and she also took a few big numbers, which is what I'm kind of looking for, like who's going to be the player that takes big numbers out there. So I that was, you know, we'll see if it works out or not. I Then I had Missy Gannon on the under 71 and a half. I do like that pick a lot. Um, she shot, I believe, a 60 nine today and she took a six on 17 so she cleans that up she's well under that so i liked that pick i am pulling up her score right now to confirm that missy gannon yeah she shot a 69 today with like you just said the six on hole 17 so uh i agree i i i definitely consider the missy gannon under but when i was looking at the kona panis i was definitely looking at the under because she just couldn't score well enough for me that's kona kona just didn't she didn't really get anything going today. Yeah. And she still was under that 73 mark. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a that's a tough pick, but you only need three of them to hit as well. So, we're both looking for that. Uh, again, if you want to play along with us, you know, go over to prizepicks.com, use code GRIP, get a 100% match on up to your first $100 for your first entry. And then if you play alongside either Trevor or myself and they do hit, fingers crossed they hit tomorrow. Yes. They do hit. Then you get a 25% bonus um, as a thank you. So huge thanks to Prize Picks for being a sponsor of Grip Locked and uh, support those who support disc golf. Uh, let's jump into a new segment for this week. I don't know. This might be something we bring back because there's some days where there's just electric moments. There's just some electric days. It's true. I like it. Our electric moment of the day. And, you know, we're going to throw it over to Connor first. You've been a little quiet so far this podcast. So we're going to get your electric moment of the day today. Um, well, there were a lot of electric moments, uh, but I think that my funniest electric moment, which pretty much every electric moment is going to be funny for me, unless it just really moves me emotionally, but this one just was really funny, was, uh, this group of guys walked past me and Hunter while we were walking on the course, and this guy goes, oh, is that Hunter or Trevor? I can never tell. I, I always forget which one is which, but I know that's Connor with a K. Mm, and so that was a pretty pretty big moment for me and i thought it was really funny i was i it made me feel really good how many people were recognizing you out there it's good growing the that's brand. nice like i just it well this is this sounds weird maybe sounds i don't weird think it's head. going to okay then maybe don't say it no i'm just <laughs> saying like i sometimes i would feel weird like people would come up and ask for trevor and i's autograph or a picture or something at, at mm-hmm. past events and i'd like feel bad because like you it, to me, you're just as much a part because of, you're like, looking at me whenever you guys are in the well, videos. Well, no, because like I know what's going on like at work and behind the mm. scenes. It's just that like we're the two on the screen. Gotcha. So like it always feels like well that's like unfair. We're getting all this recognition when like Connor's mm. the one doing it. 
know what I'm saying? So today it like felt good that I don't know if I signed a disc that they didn't ask you to sign Hashtag right after. Yeah, I, it was a, it was a really good fit. And I, we also I really appreciate it. Game. Should we should we let them in on the inside? What are you I talking don't know. about? I think we shouldn't. Okay. I think we shouldn't. Well, that's annoying. We Wait, we're not talking about you, Trevor. You no, know. no, no. We're not, we're not keeping you out of the loop. If you oh. have, if if you are at the tournament, get Connor to sign a disc. We'll just say go. that my oh, signature like, has been consistent. What are we talking about? No, we'll just say it. Okay. So basically, <laughs> so our one of our like favorite customers, Dan Lazinski, I believe it was. Yeah. Asked that like, he bought a bunch of bo- like three Bogey Road discs, and wanted us each to sign one, and told Connor to sign plus one next to his name. And at first we were like, why? <laughs> but then we got deep and intrinsical with it, and we were like, whoa! Like Trevor and I are the Bogey Bros. And Connor's like I'm the plus one, like plus one. So that's like he's on like on our shirts, like all the merch is the plus one. Like that's how all three of us fit into the equation. Connor's our walking bogey. That sounds never mind. Cut. <laughs> no, that I one. like that. I like that. So I br- now I so bring I bring you guys down is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, you but like keep then, us humble. That's, there we go. Oh, there we go. You're our walking bogey in uh, that. Like you, you keep us on our toes. Ideas, you don't let us get going. Ideas <laughs> at this time of night, I just all need to be shot down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, but is, realistically, like the, the what plus if we one. made homemade guacamole? <laughs> I hate guacamole. The, whenever Hunter first gave it to me, he was like, he wants you to put a plus one next to your name. I was like, oh, and I looked and I saw nobody else had a plus one next to their name. And I was like. Why just my name? And I was like, I don't know. And so I did it, but then it felt good. I like, like, I like the way it kind of looked cool. And it so I did cool. it on the rest of the disc. So there's some people I'm gonna start today. Adding 21 to my signature. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, there's, there's. I think I signed like a couple discs today, and I think three of them I did the plus one, and like two of them I forgot. Oh to. my god! Oh, so those so are those rare signatures. It, it's, it's like a transition this period. Guy. It's a transition. There period. we go. <laughs> uh, my electric moment of the day was getting to talk to the one and only Pete May. Pete that was a great legendary. Moment. If you're newer to disc golf, so my introduction to Pete May was years ago. He was the founder of College Disc Golf, which we'll get a chance to talk about College Disc Golf here a little bit later in the week. Actually, probably tomorrow's show will be our first mention of it when uh, we start getting ready for the Dean's Cup to start up. But I believe he has multiple world titles across different divisions within disc golf. He's also was a former professional ping pong player. I think he did a bunch of stuff with rodeo promotions. He um, was a professional ping pong player for like 40 years. Yeah. So this he's dude. He's just a walking W. Yeah. And he's just he's one of those man. people that like he walks up to you and he like makes eye contact where you can like feel that he's like genuinely listening to what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like he just makes you feel good being around. And so like we were just talking. He first came up. I thought he was coming up because he recognized me from college disc golf. He recognized me because he listens to the show. And then when I mentioned I played college disc golf, then it just like led down this whole rabbit hole of just like reminiscing about college disc golf and the good old days of Old Glory and Hogback and um, the Hippodrome, which if you played college disc golf, you might remember all those things. If you didn't, that means nothing to you. But it was just, it, it made my day. I loved it. It was like, a, what, it was probably a 30 minute conversation, Connor. Yeah, it was a long conversation, but it was so intriguing. Yeah, it was amazing. So that was my electric moment of the day. I saw a lot of cool things happen on the course, but I might go out of my way just to strike another conversation. I want to say like one phrase that he said to me. He said whenever he was on a uh, on a Chinese rodeo show, 
No, he was bringing. He, uh, I was, he, I was he a brought, part of the He brought like a rodeo, like a Western rodeo to, to China. China. Yeah. And so they did like a something on TV for it. So he was on TV, and the like trans. There's like translators and stuff because he doesn't speak Chinese. But uh, he was basically asked like, "How did you get a Western rodeo to China?" And so he said, just off the top of his head, he came up with the phrase, "The hat, the horse, and the heart of a cowboy." And I mean, it was it was so that a good tells phrase. you all you need to know. I mean, that, that alone, I got chills. I, yeah, he's, he's, he's inspirational, an incredible figure. Maybe we should get him on the Nick and Matt show or something. Something you'd be entertained. I'll tell you that. Yeah, much. that guy. Yeah. If you if you're out if you're at the tournament if you're here at USDGC or if you're ever at Worlds and you see a guy, older man with a cowboy hat on, that's, looking. That's him. That's him. Go up, tell him that. Just start talking to him. Ask him. A you question. won't have to talk to him because he, he him, will come up and talk to you. Yeah, just ask him a question or two about disc golf and college disc golf. And I will say this: this was an interesting hot take. He was basically he had a list of like his top players, like the guys oh, that yeah. he like. Mm-hmm. If he had a company, the guys he would want. Number one on his list, Kevin Jones. Oh my god! He said he the way he throws the disc. He, he said throws it. And he said mainly he's very marketable because he's very attractive. That was that was another thing he said. Wow. He said that he could sell Jaguars. Yeah, he's basically he was saying like he could sell anything. And he was saying, like, the way he throws the disc, it's so interesting that, like, keeps you wanting more and keeps you coming back. Yeah, well... He was saying if he had Kevin he Jones... He shot, like, one over. Today. He wasn't talking about performance, man. Yeah, well... He wasn't talking performance. He was saying that, like, he's a marketable I person I in disc golf. Yeah, I agree. He, Kevin I Jones agree. is a very marketable person He would person not be number one on my list at he all. He was number one on the list. You know He'd who wasn't like, on his list? He would probably be my top seven. You know who wasn't on his list? Who? Paul McBeth. No, he was. Paul was on his list. He was just low. He wasn't, he wasn't on his, his top, top three. three. He wasn't in his he top was, three. Yeah, yeah. We were guessing his top three. Who else was in his top three? Now I'm just curious. It was uh, Kevin Jones, Eagle McMahon, yeah. and um, Ricky and Nico. Nico's no, 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 Nico's number four. Nico was number four. Oh, Nico's number four. That was my uh, first guess. Was Nico? Was it? Was, was it Ricky? It was Ricky. It was Ricky. Okay. Wow. He said the reason he didn't have Paul in his top three yeah. is because he's too serious. Yeah, the fans can't relate to him. Mm-hmm. People, people like people like intensity, yeah. but not something, ugly. But not ugly is in like the way he looks. But something ugly is in tells like me emotion. He may be a little off based on the size of the gallery that continually follows. Paul. <laughs> I think I the fans. That. I think the fans like Paul. All I'm saying is that was my electric moment of the day. But that, I, think, I think. Well, I he was specifically he was top, specifically choosing those people based off of people that could be marketed outside of the disc golf world. Yeah, he was saying so like could be, could selling reach the internationally sport. and other right. and other things. You're saying Paul's just too serious. Yeah, he's also the guy that is getting picked for others. It's not my list. No, man. you're right. It's not though. my list. I see what he's saying. He picked. He definitely picked four of the more interesting personalities. Well, that's yeah. why. That's, that's why when he not was true though, when Ricky, he was pitching me the list, that's why I immediately said Nico. And he goes, "Whoa, Nico's four. I'm like, <laughs> hey, who's the top it's, three? He's got interesting takes though. You got to have he's got fresh takes. Is what he's got. Yeah. Maybe he's yeah. bring some of that to this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. I want to ask him for a different list. Tomorrow, you ask. Yeah, I'm gonna start asking him for different lists. Ask him Pete's, for, Pete's list. Pete's might just list. Be oh, just, is that a new top? That's a new segment. Pete's oh, list. We Pete's just text list. him like once a week. That'd ask be him amazing. For a list. That would be really funny. He would totally be down for that. Oh, absolutely. So oh my you can see why this was my electric moment of the day. That was yeah, amazing. Electric. This is a great. I've moment. got uh, my Good electric job, moment of the Thank day you. was a moment that I found that one of my dreams is going to be realized, and that is that Brody and and Nico are going to be card mates tomorrow, uh, which means that I'll be. Thank yeah, you. let's clap it up for Thank Trevor, you. but not too loud because Brody's asleep. You guys know, no, he doesn't need to sleep. Um, <laughs> you guys know that that I'm, man needs to wake I'm up. The, That's what he needs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm on the Nico fan hype train. I've been on it 
since day one. Uh, I don't really know why. He's kind of one of those. There's like <laughs> certain people and figures in both movies, books, TV shows, and real life, like sports, where for some reason I latch onto them at a very young age and then just like I look back and go, why did I start rooting for them? And Nico is one of those people because when I was like 14, 15, I don't think I was like really thinking about what he was adding to the sport. I think I just for some reason was like, yeah, Nico. Maybe I thought his name was cool. But in any case. He's got cool hair. He's got cool hair. You know, and uh, so I'll, tomorrow I'll get to be. He's like, got a fresh cut this week. Oh, oh shoot. dude. Nico with we a went fresh. back to the clean cut Nico. Oh, my gosh. Nico so, with a fresh what? cut is a whole different Nico. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to get to see him very up close tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. My my honorary mention, this is actually the electric moment of yesterday, and this is literally electric moment, is when a squirrel allegedly <laughs> exploded a transformer and himself allegedly, and Hunter and I heard it all and saw it yeah we were unfold. just we were doing like the instagram story and that was electric in the sense that it was actually electricity apparently it caused some issues with the press conference they were worried it might cause issues with the live stream that squirrel was a menace uh but we were just allegedly. like standing next to the <laughs> we were standing, that's a rumor we we're standing between hole one and two's t and this isn't alleged because i was there no we know it blew up it just i don't know where we saw like a flash and it sounded like just a loud crash it sounded like and then a woman just appeared on hole 17 it sounds like a vision but I don't know where she came from. She just popped her head around the corner in 17 and said, and like was looking. I thought she knocked something over that she wasn't supposed to like have knocked over. And so we all looked at her. I probably looked very judgmental. And she was like, what was that? And we're like, I don't know. And then she said like, I think an electrical box blew. And then like an hour later, I heard that it was like the transformer we box, were whatever, there. blew. Where were you? you know? Where were you at the U? Where was I? Was I? Was that whenever I was here You still? were here. Trevor oh, yeah. and I went back to the course. Mm-hmm. You were, was, you were sleeping, man. It was incredibly oh, yeah. electric, both literally sleeping. and... So there you go. You know. We're, we're going to keep that up because I think there's... We are talking about it. If you're like That's very immersed in a disc golf tournament, some things happen that you're just like, holy cow. There's a whole lot of head scratchers and like... Yeah, some things happen. You're like, what? Moments. <laughs> some things happen and the person or thing, whatever it is, walks away and you're just sitting there like, what the frick just happened? Disc golf is crazy, man. <laughs> it's amazing. You go the to one of these events. People in disc golf are crazy. Yeah, you go to one of these events and you're around there long enough. Just I will just, say, I've been to USDGC many crazy. times. So has Connor. And both of us noticed today a few different things. Uh, this is actually a great transition day one recap. One, the number of spectators for a Wednesday was incredibly high. Yeah, it wasn't like there was an insane amount of spectators in general, but Wednesday's normally a chill day. You don't need a lot of crowd control. Maybe like a hundred, two hundred people. There's a solid what three hundo, four hundred people, something all like over that. the place. Yeah, yeah, to total. Say. There's a total. lot. There's a lot because there was a few hundred following Paul's card alone. Yeah, there's, and that there's did, a lot. and there was a, a little, a decent gallery on the card that had like Shoestrick, Ulibari, who else was even on that card? Because that was a um, sick card. Shoestrick Yuli was Jerem on that card? I think so. Yeah, I think Big Jerem was on the card. Anyways, there was like there was a few other sick cards yes. that had a decent little gallery to them as well. Um, so assuming the weather holds out, we might be in for a massive championship Saturday. The secondary thing, way more teenagers and like kids yeah. out there watching disc golf yeah. this week. I mean, I don't I never really noticed it before of like what the gallery was but it was a lot more of like 25 plus year old men and women mm-hmm. today it was a lot of teenage and like even early young 20 kids, and like then young schoolers. kids like 10 year yeah. old and, and yeah and they were and they were like 
they were loving it. They all had discs with yeah. tons of players' signatures. You could tell they were like following the sport hardcore. Yeah, uh, that that is a good sign for disc golf. Yeah, you yeah. got to get the young kids I mean, like super involved. We've been kind of in an era for the for a while where like I would say a higher percent. Like the majority of players got into disc golf like in their twenties or thirties. Yeah, later in their life. And like the next era of disc golf is going to be where a lot higher of that. Maybe not the majority, but a lot higher percentage of those players are going to be got, like people that got into it as kids. Yeah. So you're going to you're starting see, to see that on the pro scene a little bit now. Right, right, right. Well, in the pro scenes, it's kind of always been like that. Like back in the day, like any pretty much anybody who like started playing as like a twelve year old or lower, like ended up being a pro someday. Yeah. Whereas now it's just not the case at all. Example A. So <laughs> yeah, it's definitely getting like the younger audience is filtering in now. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at the Throw Pink Women's Championship round one recap. Um, you already heard some of the scores as we talk through um with the recap. But one thing that is I think pretty important to note here. I saw this on Twitter. I believe it was PGA Stats that put this out. Paige Pierce was able to go OB free. That's incredible. Um, every other competitor in the FPO field, I believe, had at least three OB shots. That's crazy. So that alone kind of set her apart. If she's able to stay clean again tomorrow, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see a similar score. If she can go back-to-back scores... And put herself eight to ten strokes clear of the field. Yeah. It's over. Paige is set. She set herself up in the first leg of the the event to run away with it. I mean, we've seen some crazy collapses in FPO, and, and she's been one of the people that it's happened to. So, not gonna certainly not writing off the event yet. But if she go, if she kind of does what she did today, and yeah, goes up big tomorrow, then it could be over. Quick. I will say this course. It's kind of interesting because Brody and I were talking about on the MPO side. How distance is important, but not crucial mm-hmm. on the MPO side. FPO side, I almost feel like it is a little bit more crucial because what what Connor and I sat and we watched a solid three or four FPO cards come through on hole five. Hole five is a little bit shorted for, shorter for the FPO and the Mando's not in play. So they're playing from like 200 feet shorter, Mando's not in play. But what distance throwers were able to do, such as Paige, is we saw Paige able to go controlled mid-range off the tee to get herself far enough up that then she could go drive her second shot and push past the corner to where she oh, never wow. even thought about the water wow, once. Yeah. And she was deep with a pen, almost looking back at it and just had, she threw a fierce upshot. She pulled it to like 60 feet, right? But it was a low pressure upshot because right. all she, the only thing that was in danger is if she went too far past the basket, oh, yeah, which would have been difficult too, to do. Yeah. Whereas we watched Heather Young, for instance, who's mm-hmm. a player, great control, not a lot of distance. It, her second throw, uh, throwing pretty... She was throwing a driver off the tee, so already lost control there. And then a secondary driver, um, and she was having to play close to the water to be able to attempt to go across in her third. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to look at her scorecard now. I believe she took... A, I know she took a five. I believe what happened was she threw a lefty hyzer tight to the corner and then laid up. No, she threw a... It was a turnover backhand. She's a lefty. She's left. Wait, I'm you're thinking with, Katrina Allen. I think Katrina Allen. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was Heather the wrong Young person this whole time. Say that if she threw a turnover backhand, yeah, we're talking different holes. Good. Yeah, I was very uh, confused. No, when he said Heather that. Young threw her second shot close to the water, then a hyzer across to like 80 feet, then laid yes, up. Yes, I remember. But that. holes like that alone give players like Paige, like Valerie Mandahano, like Haley King, a pretty big advantage. 
simply because they can do a controllable, repeatable shot. Mm-hmm. With that being said, Heather Young's sitting in second place right now. So she is able to still have that control, but I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes up because I, I do think that for the FPO, distance matters a little bit more on this course than for the MPO. Yeah. Uh, if that it's definitely an advantage. Makes sense. Yeah, there's not a lot of courses that they play uh fpo layout that it did it isn't at this point yeah well i just think it makes like page can go out and every single hole is gettable for page uh-huh. whereas a player like heather young because since she's up top there's only uh she has to like hand pick her certain birdie she almost has to play a more nate sexton style game it's, yeah it's fr- out here it's frustrating being some one of the fpo players without the huge distance because you basically have to just stick to your game plan mm-hmm. be patient and hope page gets greedy and you know digs her own grave yeah. that's essentially all you can do yeah and i will also point out that valerie mandahano she was able to put up a two under par but she did triple bogey hole 17 mm-hmm. So if she if you take away that triple bogey, she's sitting at four down, only three back. Been right in it. Um, with only one round down, I'm very confident that Valerie Mandahano is able to play a consistent game, and you know she might be able to shoot even with Paige, or maybe even gain a stroke or two on Paige tomorrow if a few of those breaks go a little bit of a different way. Um, but both overall, I think both Paige and Valerie's game were looking very strong, as was Heather Young and Sarah Hokum was your pick to win. She started the event and through five was looking pretty dangerous. And as soon as I tweeted that she was looking dangerous and texted you about it, she bogeyed six and seven. So, yeah, sorry, Sarah. Walking jinx. I really am because I also on the MPO side we had Terry Roethlisberger come out hot, extremely mm-hmm. hot. He got in the first seven holes, which is the point that I tweeted about Terry Roethlisberger coming out hot. Pars eight. So if. Basically, what I'm saying is, if you've got a player that you want to end their hot streak, text well, me. You should see if it works in the reverse tomorrow. Like if if one of our oh, guys po- find someone that is having yeah, a rough like start if Brody and be like his first couple holes, just rough tweet start. Be like yeah, oof, not looking good. Rough start. Uh, I one the, thing I wish the best for Terry Roethlisberger. No, you don't. Uh, you want to bring up your beef with Terry? Mm-mm. Okay. Do you want me to bring up your beef with Terry? No, I just want to let it pass by. Okay. All right, that was Terry Roethlisberger said something mean to me. I, no, I can't say that. You can't say that. That sounds mean. I, just to be clear, I like Terry Roethlisberger. He seems like a nice guy. We were just in a situation where we were all playing around with Brody, and we were all throwing putts. And I threw a putt, and he said, and he laughed, and he said that looked awkward. And in that moment, he was dead to me. <laughs> that is tough. Look. We were doing a step putt competition, yeah, and. I mean, it was a it was a floppy putt. I'll give him that. Yeah, Connor did his normal my step first putt. putt of the day. Everybody else has been playing disc golf all day. I just been behind a camera. Yeah, Connor did his normal step putt, and I think Terry. It was just one of those situations where like we were all joking, so he felt like he could yeah, joke, but yeah, we didn't yeah. know him. So like we didn't a sarcastic know Terry like that because like if I would have said yeah. it to yeah. you, it's just funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when someone he just who, like, well, he's also like friends with Brody. Yeah, so he probably was it was just, just like someone outside of, of like the group of yeah. all of us joking said, mm-hmm. "Well, that was awkward." It was this man that I never met before in my life. I didn't even know it was Terry Roethlisberger, and I was like, and then I was just like, "Who is this guy talking yeah. to me right now? Tell me my putt is awkward." But I actually think that he's probably a nice guy. I actually don't have any problems with him. I just think it's funny to make it sound like he's dead to me. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> balls in your court, Terry. Yeah. yeah. Ba- what? Okay. <laughs> what the heck was that? That was just a moment between me and Terry. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but we had, as we mentioned in the breakdown, we had Nate Sexton and Terry Roethlisberger both shooting bogey free 
10 under par. We also had Greg Barsby shooting a bogey-free 9 under par. Very impressive, though. Joel Freeman shooting 8 under par with a double bogey and a single bogey. So, uh, other thing to mention, all of these players were able to get out early in the day. The wind did pick up for the later cards, the, the mm-hmm. card that had uh, basically the feature card and um, the what should have been the feature card of like Paul Eagle, Thomas Gilbert, that card. When they were coming down the stretch, the wind was ripping. Um, is I think it'll definitely be I interesting. Think ripping tomorrow. is an no ripping was an overstatement. It was steady. It was a steady wind versus yeah. no wind in the morning. Essentially, very yeah. light wind in the morning. Very light. Uh, so that will be something to kind of keep in mind tomorrow. Um, after one round at USDGC, basically no one's out of it. But I'm going to go ahead and declare Calvin Heimberg out of it. Is that so? He's Poor at what? Guy. He's at how many over? He's three over par. Three over. So three over par. He's is thirteen like, strokes out of the lead. That's like your out of it line. Well, for thirteen. It depends on the out. player. It depends on the player. He'd have the game because I think there's some five. players who are one under par, like Kevin Jones. I think I can declare out of it. I think I'm willing to do that. Yeah, nine strokes out for Kevin Jones. So Kevin Jones mm. finishes. In if the that top was Ricky, five, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's out. Out of it, win wise. Win wise, I would be you, very surprised. I would, I what would, do you think about top five? I wouldn't. I think he could get in the top five. What do you think about top three? You know, that's pushing it. What will you do I think if, if he gets top three? <laughs> I'm just saying the player. I'm all about the whole point of this show. segment it is was tough to say it is tough when the guys like the guy at the top is like Sexton and, and you know that he's just not really. That's what I'm saying. Sexton collapse. is going to go better might, than five under pretty much every round. He might not shoot super low, like you can catch him, but you're not gonna like you can't expect him to just implode. Yeah. probably. Yeah. Like yeah. Ricky, five under, just as in it is when the tournament started. Yeah. Very no, much in it. That's not really true. Well, obviously, it's not exactly true. He's five strokes back. <laughs> you said it, not me. But like, I didn't say it. Uh, okay, but look at it this way. What is this bug doing over here? Just chilling. Did you get him? I don't know. For I think I just threw him on me. That was not um, smart. For Ricky to win a three-round a three round event by five strokes is not unheard of. That's essentially what he has to do. That's all he's got to do. And especially because he's, he's tied with Eagle and one back of Paul. No, there's still there's still plenty. There's of still so much golf to go down. Yeah. Uh, here's a hot take I want to hear. Okay. Currently, card Nate Sexton, Terry Roethlisberger, Greg Barsby, Joel Freeman. Yeah. What are your predictions on finishing place for each of those four players? Well, I'll just I'll just put it like this. I think Sexton finishes within that lead card with on top four, and he's probably on the final lead card, and none of the other guys are. Barsby's close, but not. Is Joel Freeman and Terry Roethlisberger in your top 10? <sighs> Neither. Oh, boy. Wow. It's it's a whirlwind. It is. Out it there. is. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I, you can say anything, and it probably really won't sound crazy. Like there, it, I, I definitely agree. Nate Sexton, final day, lead card. I'd almost be surprised if he wasn't. But I would have been coming into the tournament. I would have been surprised if he wasn't. This, this yeah. is, this is the this is where Sexton golf was originated. Like Paul had his McBeast mode. Sexton had his Sexton golf. Ricky has his Raptor legs. Like everyone has their thing. What are you? This have? is bogeys. This is where Sexton golf started, basically, exactly. because this is like, and this is where Eagle has adapted Sexton golf at this tournament. This yeah. is like the third year in a row we've seen it. For instance, I watched Eagle on hole ten today. It was like a decent wind. It wasn't like anything crazy. Paul went for the island, makes it. Eagle 
Sticks and Kyle Klein, very far throwers. They could probably go fairway to the island on 10. Yeah. Both of them laid up left, just took their easy birdie because they're just playing their percentages, playing the smart shots. That's Sexton Golf. Terry Roethlisberger, I would imagine this is about as good a round as he could ever put up out here. Um, he's he's not going to start seven for seven again tomorrow uh, or today. Sorry. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he shakes up. Greg Barsby, he's one of the a player where he could be in contention. He, he could also be in finishing twenty. Would 20th. not surprise me at all. Would not surprise me. At all. No. And then Joel Freeman, I I think is a similar player where he he actually does this a lot where he starts off really hot at tournaments, falls off kind of as the tournament goes. So I'm agreeing with you. I could see Sexton and Barsby in the top ten, and I could see, I think Terry Roethlisberger and Joel will end in the top twenty. Sure, I think they'll be in the top twenty. Sure, that's kind of the range I'll give them. Uh, final storyline got to talk about here: Barry Schultz and Johnny McRae, as of right now, are in this tournament. The old guys with a shot after round one. They're both gonna be on chase card. Barry Schultz. I love that. So this like storyline. Fly on Barry. This storyline happens Barry. in golf sometimes. Where like an old guy like Phil Mickelson just last year won a major, and he's ancient at this point. Like <laughs> he's old. I think yeah, he's not, in his fifties yeah. now. Um, and that's not something that really happens in disc golf. Like we don't like it's never like a storyline where we're like, hey, notice this old timer is like in Barry Schultz like making a charge for a u.s title would be so cool yeah that would be electrifying i would be rooting so hard for him we watched him just tee off on hole three and he threw a gorgeous shot it's so nostalgic to watch him throw yeah yeah for newer players i wish kyle was still playing man Mm. yeah dang it for for newer players (laughs) they'd probably be like come on champ they'd probably be like man barry's form is so weird but for us like for like players who've been in the game a long time i love watching his putt putting off his like top of his it like he like rock. rocks oh man i might well, i might follow his car tomorrow Barry's one of my cool. this I'm is a little before. bit off topic but it's about barry one of my favorite rounds of all time to watch i watch it once a year every year when my family goes on vacation in charleston south carolina there's the charleston classic and it's played at a tournament at a, a course called trophy lakes um which is right outside of charleston such a fun course plays around this lake that's meant for like skiing and stuff doesn't matter um but there's a round uh, recorded from the Charleston Open, Classic Open or whatever it is. And it's from like 2012 or 2014, like a long time ago. And it's Paul McBeth, um, Barry Schultz, and two other guys. I don't remember who it is. But I watch it once a year. And every every year, it's just like, it's old Paul. And then it's Barry Schultz in his prime. And well, not prime. Not, prime. not prime. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. competitive career. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like, it's so much fun just to watch Barry throw all those shots. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, I'm sure on the live coverage today, they'll have some Barry shots in there because he's on the chase card. Hopefully, he can hang on for one more round, get himself on a lead card. Mm-hmm. Lead card on moving day at USDGC would just be something else. I just want amazing. people to be able to watch it. If he gets, if he gets some momentum behind him, that's what I'm saying. He needs to kind of like, just believe. That's he what I'm saying. If he, if he, I, I truly believe. Like he's, he's won this tournament a few times now. Yeah, he's won world several times. It's one of those things where like you have to just kind of reawaken the beast. I feel like you know what I mean. The bear. in more than one way, the gets, ten speed beast. People start getting behind him. Like, <laughs> uh, but like, it's. I think it's the same only thing that happened with Phil, right? Like once that sure, player yeah. believes, like. They still have, like, obviously they have a killer mindset to get 
all the titles right. they got. He's got it, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it just like takes, when it like, just like takes a spark and like like uh, Kobe's final game, we dropped sixty. Yeah, well, he shot like a hundred million times. Well, that's Kobe. True. Uh, but like, there's just certain moments in sports where it's just like you just awaken something. Yeah, no. That like it's just that last little flame. I mean, he. This could. I he hope. Goes out I there. hope so much. I'm. I think I'm rooting harder for Barry than anyone else in this tournament. If I'm being fully honest with you. I can't quite say that, but if he, I mean, he goes out there and shoots seven under for four rounds, he might win with that. That might be darn close. That's to true. If yeah. he can just hold it together, so. Yeah. He's capable of it. We know this. Maybe I need to become the Barry tracker. I want to follow his card. I, want I mean, to, Barry... Because I think if he's so... I want to know what he's throwing on these tees. Casey like, rocks, baby. I'll tell you what... But, you like, mean. what do you think he's doing... What, what do you think he's doing a whole nine? Is he going for it? No. He's laying up. No. Nine? Yeah. Nine. Nine's the Montreal Nine, six. he's just throwing a little... He's probably throwing oh, nine. I meant ten. Oh, ten, no, he's, he's laying, laying up. up. Yeah. Yeah. He threed it today. That's what I'm saying. But I just would love to watch him. Let's see what his game plan is. Man. Yeah. And he forward 17, too. Like, he could have shot eight. He could be on the lead card right now. Gosh, we got to watch him tomorrow. It's Barry Schultz, Johnny McRae, Adam Hammonds, and league? Evan Scott. He must have. Okay. And Evan Scott, which Evan Scott's, what, like 16? Evan Scott 15, is the dude. 15? He's awesome. I heard 15 thrown out there. He today. didn't have a par from hole three to hole 11 today. That is called exciting He had golf. four birdies. No, he had seven birdies and two bogeys in that stretch. The scorecards are just as colorful as we predicted. Yeah, I followed Evan Scott at Battle for Bedford because he was on um, he was on Brody's card, and that kid made forty five footer, forty five footer, forty five footer, just boom, 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 right in Brody's face, and it was awesome. It was so cool. This is very interesting. Uh, I'm gonna ask you this, Connor, because Trevor can see my screen. Okay. What would you say is the hardest hole? Um, on this course, average two par based on the field today. Seven, hole. 17 is too obvious. Okay. I feel like you would not be asking me that if it was 17. I'll tell you, 17 is within 0. 0.01 of being the hardest hole, but it is not the hardest hole. Hole. What's the hole where you're throwing from the, like, the Coliseum thing? Uh, either 14 or 12. 14 12. to par 3. 12. So hole 12. Is I feel like that's just random enough to catch you off guard. Hole 12 is playing... Point one three over par. It is hole eighteen. Oh, I I understand that hole eighteen is hard. Hole eighteen is playing as a four point four. Oh, I to- that totally is makes so sense. Tricky. I think eighteen is so overlooked because of seventeen. But it, like, because seventeen, you're dealing with the pressure, right? That's what makes that difficult. But eighteen is just like it's the tee shot's hole. relatively simple, but that second shot is difficult. Very and difficult. oftentimes you're left with a really hard decision to make about running that putt. Final question for you, Connor. Okay. What was the easiest hole? Easiest hole also kind on of this course. Interesting. Uh, it can't be hole three because there's OB. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. I'm going to say I saw a lot of people play really well in the triple Mando hole. Hole 15? No. Other oh. triple Mando. Hole seven. Hole seven. Hole seven is the second easiest hole. Oh, so I'm close though. At point two four under par. What's it's it? actually hole three. At <laughs> point, point four. I just thought is there being six. OB there meant that people me. were going to throw that OB. That surprises me. I love this course. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, looking at the weather for today, it looks like most of the rain as of right now is going to be bad. coming in in the morning, mostly early morning before anyone's even coming going out on the course. So the ground might be a little wet, but by the time the lead card for the women's teen off looks like it's only like 30% chance and you know spotty showers 
The wind, though, actually looks like it'll be school. kicked up more from <laughs> 9 a.m. <laughs> from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. and then kind of died down as the lead card plays. So that's, that could be something that's interesting. But it looks like for most of the U.S. DGC, uh, the men's cards doesn't look like there's much chance of rain. So the lead card for FPO and some of the FPO field might have to deal with it some MPO doesn't look like they're going to have to deal with it too, too much. We might just be dealing with one of those weeks that it just looks awful, you know, the week out, and then it just kind of pushes around. But uh, fingers crossed that's the case. Be sure to tune in if you uh, are able to to the pay-per-view option. Uh, Watch it live. Catch out all the action going down there. If you want to keep up with what Brody's doing shot by shot, check out Trevor's trip. I'm going to say Trevor's trivia. Trevor's Twitter account at FDG underscore Trevor. It has been converted to the Brody tracker for this event. And uh, I'll also be popping on our Instagram stories, giving whole update uh, or giving like general score updates, storyline updates kind of throughout the day. And I'll also on my Twitter be tweeting anything I see that's interesting that happens, hot starts, all of that. So if you don't have a Twitter, uh, you might want to download a Twitter just to stay in the loop with what all is going down. I also heard that Connor might have some fire puns he's tweeting out. Mm. So mm. fire puns from Connor, you know, just keeping you up to date in the loop with the general tournament from me, Brody Tracker from Trevor. What more could you need? If you do need more, check out UDisc Live or the pay-per-view, and you're going to get all the United States Disc Golf Championship coverage you could ever dream of. Heck yeah. And I just turned into an ASMR podcast. <laughs> uh, hopefully you're enjoying these wrap-up or these uh, preview round things it's like midnight when we're recording this so sorry if we were delirious but uh (laughs) we'll talk to you again tomorrow